This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome to this hour of the program. It's Afternoons on News Talk 770. Rob Breckenridge with you on this Monday afternoon. 403-974-TALK is the number. 403-974-8255. You can call us up at that number. Text us at the same number as well. Uh, so we've got some other issues we'll get to later in this hour. More time for your calls. But uh, an opportunity here to talk about policing in the United States. And obviously, you know, we've been seeing on the news a lot of stuff recently ab- about policing in certain communities and tensions and, and how you resolve all of that. So there's a lot of focus uh, on the profession. So it's it's interesting timing. This book just came out uh, a few months ago, and uh, the author is in studio with us. The book is called, I love the title, Peckerwood in the Hood, Misadventures of a Kansas City Cop, David Rawlings. He's a retired Kansas City police officer, is the author of this book, and he's sitting right next to me here in the studio. David, how you doing? Great to have you with us. Thanks for having us. Well, we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us here this afternoon. So but, but i got to ask you about the title, first of all. Uh, like I say, it's, it's quite an eye-catching title, but explain what that, that word Peckerwood even means in the first place. Well, it's a derogatory term for white people, especially used uh, commonly in the inner city by minority citizens uh, to refer to uh, white police officers. Uh, it's kind of a like a red. Uh, it's kind of like redneck. Almost, yeah, like it's kind of redneck or the, the, or something. Yes, or cracker. Yeah, There's yeah. interchangeable terms. Right. Kind of like the N word for white people. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was called that before I even got out of the police academy by a young African American male student walking yeah. through a community college where we had some classes. So <laughs> kind of carry forward. I was uh, through my career called a lot of different names, but that one was one of my favorites. Well, I, I guess, I mean, I'd ask you why you called the book that, but maybe it also speaks to why you wanted to write about all of this in the first place. So talk about that that process. Absolutely. Um, the term uh, and the rhyming title, uh, Peckerwood in the Hood, Hood is a slang term, of course, for the inner city, yeah. often high crime areas. And so it rhymed. It's attention-getting title, Misadventures of a Kansas City Cop. The subtitle uh, refers to all the crazy and wild things that you see as a police officer, especially in the inner city. And um, I wanted to show with this book uh, that a lot of cops have a sense of humor. Sometimes it's dark humor. It's a good coping tool. Sure. You see yeah. so much uh, crime and death and different things. Um, there's funny things that happen. So there's a lot of wild and funny and odd stories in my book. It's broken up into to small chapters that are all woven together. Uh, with me as a central character, Pecker Wood, through my career. So the, these are stories from, from your own time? Absolutely. It's 99% uh, just as it occurred. I changed the names, yeah. and of course, and a few of the little details and some conversational things, but uh, most of it is just how it occurred. And it's a, it's a look inside not only uh, modern policing in the U.S. Uh, in a typical inner city uh, police department, but it's also a uh, look inside the mind of a cop to see how it affects you, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, see how human cops can be. And uh, it's my journey. One guy from the uh, suburbs that grew up in the suburbs that went to the inner city to try to, to save people and yeah. uh, saved a lot of lives. Towards the end of the book and towards the end of my career, I had to take a life uh, during a call that we went on. And I go into how that affects a person personally and your family, the family of the person that was involved. And, yeah. Uh, so, well, most and, of us can't even imagine what that's like. And so do you, do you think it's important to to humanize it, to give people that understanding? Absolutely. And you referred to uh, the tensions between, uh, especially in some uh, inner cities in the U.S. right now, yeah. between the police and the community. 
And uh, police, you know, they they cry, they get depressed, they bleed. Um, sometimes they die. I had seven coworkers of mine that uh, uh, lost their lives during my career. Um, I'm proud to say that as a sergeant, when I got promoted, 15 of my 25 years were as a supervisor or sergeant, uh, most of that in patrol or tactical unit, different assignments. But none of my officers got seriously injured or lost their lives. So I felt uh, happy and proud of that uh, at the end of my career. Yeah. So, all right. So your entire career was in Kansas City then? It was. Uh, I started in patrol. Usually you start on the evening shift in one of the inner city divisions. They want to get you a lot of action and experience as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible. Um, Then transferred uh, routinely to another station in the inner city uh, at the end of the first year. So the first two years were on the evening shift in the inner city. Um, And then I went into the tactical unit, which is a SWAT team for a couple years. Uh, Then I uh, went to internal affairs, which is internal investigations where you investigate citizen complaints and also uh, other things that need to be investigated, uh, procedural violations and such. Yeah. Uh, I spent two years in the media relations office oh, yeah. representing Dealing the police department. Like yeah. I did uh, tons <laughs> of interviews with uh, radio, TV, and newspapers. I uh, filmed Crime Stoppers commercials uh, once a week for two years that aired on local TV. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Well, tell us a bit about what Kansas City's like. Uh, it's it's a fairly big city. It's about 320 square miles, just the city of Kansas City, Missouri, and it's also surrounded by Kansas, next to Kansas City, You're right, Kansas. It's right on the border, right, right the on the Missouri border, Kansas, the state yeah. line, uh, with the suburbs. It's uh, probably a million and a half to two million people all together. Um, only about 500,000 of those are actually residents of Kansas City, Missouri, um, and it's a very diverse uh, community. Um, we've got a large Hispanic west side, um, an old Italian northeast section, a uh, large African-American central quarter and east side, mm-hmm. and then a, a, lot of, um, a lot of the white people that uh, didn't, in the old days, live in the inner city are re- moving back in and revitalizing a lot of different areas, businesses, startups, and tech companies getting started. So when it comes to, to crime or murder... Uh, is is Kansas City sort of, I mean, typical for bigger American cities, kind of middle of the pack, or where where, where would you place it? Unfortunately, uh, for the last 20 or 30 years, uh, we've had the uh, distinction, dubious distinction of being in the top 10, sometimes in the top five or six uh, oh, wow, really? in the U.S. for violent crime per capita. Um, now, some places like Chicago, of course, there's a lot more shootings and deaths, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. Uh, a lot of gun violence. But Kansas City is is uh, very busy in the inner city as far as crime goes. And what drives that, right? I mean, I guess, is your, do you try to understand what's going on in these communities as you try to tackle these problems? Absolutely. You cannot go through a police career, especially in the inner city, without being touched by the lives of the people in the community. Um, I was supervising uh, several community policing teams, about 14 or 15 officers, uh, as a community policing sergeant towards the end of my career. We worked with inner-city uh, neighborhood groups that were fighting gangs and drugs in the inner city. And some of these people are just the best people you could imagine. Yeah. You know, we did it for the little old lady that had to sleep in her bathtub. And I'm not kidding. She was afraid to sleep in her bed because of the gangs and drugs out at night in particular. Wow. And bullets flying around the neighborhood and sometimes through people's houses while they're sleeping. So when you can... Uh, make somebody that's a 70 or 80 year old lady feel comfortable sleeping in her own bed again instead of the bathtub, I think you're making progress. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the community policing approach because, you know, we had that, that, that awful night in Dallas where those officers were targeted. 
but everyone was pointed to the fact that that Dallas has done so well at that 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 protest that night it was it was such a peaceful kind of rally and the police were there and supporting the protesters and that you hadn't seen the tension in Dallas that you'd seen in in other cities I mean it seems like there's really something that to that kind of an approach it's an old notion idea uh, that's kind of been retooled um, community policing really goes back to the days of the the beat cop that mm-hmm. walked the beat or at least drove around a smaller neighborhood and now our sprawling cities are so spread out that Sometimes you lose the human touch, the contact, personal contact with people, getting to know the residents, business owners, the school kids, uh, people that live in that particular neighborhood. So they put specifically certain officers back in certain neighborhoods that were higher crime uh, to get to know people uh, better and work more closely with them. Uh, I think it's also important to uh, remember that only about 10% of the population probably causes 90% of the problems. Right. So in places like Dallas and most cities in the U.S., uh, when push comes to shove, p- the good people will come out and support the police. And most of them do support the police, but they're often afraid to say anything, especially if they live in a high-crime inner-city area. It, it's certainly been the trend in, in a lot of big American cities, and I think we've seen it to some extent here in, in Canada, where we've seen crime rates and murder rates on the decline, that maybe things really peaked late 80s, early 90s. Did you, get, did you notice that in, in Kansas City? Have you seen those, those trends? Do you see ebbs and flows to it? It's a lot like the stock market. You'll have uh, peaks and valleys, yeah. and uh, generally there's a, an average uh, as far as they unfortunately track things like by the number of homicides per year and that kind of thing. Uh, Kansas City, uh, I think, peaked around 140 one year probably during that time frame you mentioned in the latter, mid to latter 90s. It got a little bit better. And um, the unfortunate part recently, in my opinion, is the uh, uh, anti-police sentiment in certain groups. It's a, an election year in the U.S., of course. So yeah. we have some people have a political agenda. Certain uh, uh, racial or ethnic groups also uh, are not wild about a lot of the police. Um, some of it is just hard to understand. Like in uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, the recent police shooting, it was a black police officer, black police chief a black gentleman that got killed by the police that had apparently a gun in his hand and refused to drop it, but yet they're rioting. But in Tulsa, there was a white female officer in Oklahoma um, that unfortunately felt she had to shoot somebody, and she thought he was reaching for a gun into his car, and apparently he did not have a gun, So, um, and they did not riot there. So I, I think some communities may be tre- predisposed to uh, waiting or looking for an incident to uh, uh, make their feelings known. Well, do you, do you think it stems from the relationship with that police department, that, that they feel as though the police are on their side, or they feel like they have a relationship with the police, that they feel as though it's, it's adversarial? Does that, does that contribute to that tension? That makes a lot of sense. I think there's a certain truth to that. Um, it, it helps if uh, police departments are proactive in engaging mm-hmm. the community in positive ways. There's a ton of things that police departments are doing to go out and be out front and up front um, from the cameras on the body cameras, car camera videos, um, community programs, helping kids, mentoring kids that don't have parents at home. Perhaps they're uh, deceased or in jail or working or and just don't have a lot of time to spend with their kids. Um, basketball leagues, a ton of things that they do to try to engage youth and, and even explore programs for the kids to get them interested in policing and possibly uh, some ride-along programs for adults where they can citizens can uh, 
ride along with the police to see what they're up against on a daily basis. Yeah, because, look, I mean, any organization, you're going to have bad apples, right? And, you know, and that happens in, in policing. We hear about those stories where, where police go too far, police act inappropriately, or we hear stories of, you know, racist remarks made by, by police officers, right? And that, that does color how, how people view the police. Uh, certainly mistakes are made. Um, police are human. You'll find out reading my book. Yeah. Um, it, they're very human. Um, and I think it's important to know that police departments do a really good job as a rule policing themselves. Uh, you wouldn't believe that what officers have to go through just when a citizen complaint is made. It could have been just an off-the-cuff remark they made. They might have yeah. been joking, and uh, the person took it seriously, so then they filed a complaint. Um, I worked in internal affairs, and we investigated our own. And police officers are the last ones that want somebody that's going to give the reputation a bad or the profession a bad reputation to hang around. They they do a very good job of weeding out their own if they're one of those individuals that just needs not be in that profession. So you think it would be unfair to say that there are systemic issues? I would say in general that would be unfair. Uh, there are particular cases. I mean, there were some departments a long time ago, uh, well, not too long ago, in the last 10 or 20 years, uh, in a few cases where they they did investigate and prosecute um, yeah. small groups of officers that unfortunately can give a whole department a bad name. Uh, there were some drug uh, people covering for drug dealers in New Orleans. That's one that comes to mind, actually protecting drug shipments that went through the city. Yeah, that's... And that's no good for anybody. And I'm glad that that got caught. Yeah. And, and, and it's police exposing that stuff, right? Yes. Because there's that notion, well, you know, police are going to protect police. And sometimes they bring in the feds if they need help. Uh, for undercover people that aren't known to that department. There's a lot of different ways to investigate things. Um, sometimes citizens are involved that uh, maybe are trying to get out of the drug business or keep themselves out of jail. Kind of a nasty business sometimes using snitches and stuff like that, but it can be very effective. Yeah. So concerning the book then, and coming back to the, the stories you wanted to convey to people, right? You spent a long time at policing, saw a lot, heard a lot, dealt with a lot. How do you boil it all down? And, and say these are the stories that, that matter most or that people need to hear the most. Well, my book, Peckerwood in the Hood, Misadventures of a Kansas City Cop, has a variety of stories. Uh, some happy, funny, sad, exciting, tragic, um, very human. Um, you'll see the human side of, of citizens, the average citizen. You'll see the human side of cops as well. Um, for me, uh, there's no other profession I could imagine that where you see such a variety of different things. It was exciting. It was interesting. It wasn't always fun, but it's interesting pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I can't imagine me having done anything else, maybe perhaps military. I almost joined the military when I got out of college. Uh -huh. and I, I decided to serve locally instead of globally. So I think that the important thing to remember is see how human cops can be. Uh, enjoy the, the journey. It's like a roller coaster ride. My training officer uh, when I first started policing, when he eventually retired years later, described at his retirement ceremony that his career was like a roller coaster ride. In three words, he captured the essence of policing. And I mentioned that in my book. Yeah, because there's something universal about it. I mean, Kansas City is different than New York, and New York's different from Des Moines, or, you know, Kansas City is different from, from Calgary. But it, it, there's something universal in in the profession. I agree with all of that. Um there is uh, camaraderie. Um, when you pin on a badge and a gun and a uniform and go out into uh, high-risk uh, areas to police, 
uh, the rural cops, sometimes their highway patrol are out there miles away from other backup, uh, yeah. other officers by themselves all hours of the day and night. They've got to be able to survive. Um, sometimes I've worked inner city neighborhoods where um, you might have a citizen that would help you out before your backup got there, or you might not. You might have 50 or 100 people against you and your partner if you happen to have a partner that day, yeah. and you've got to survive until help gets there. So when you have a chance, I mean, backing each other up is the highest priority and saving citizens' lives as well. So Absolutely. Well, uh, the book is Peckerwood in the Hood, quite a title, easy to remember, Misadventures of a Kansas City Cop. David Rawlings, congrats on the book, and uh, thanks so much for coming in here today. Appreciate it. Thank you, and I, you should know that I'm hoping to get uh, the book in uh, Chapters bookstores up here. It's available on Kobo eBooks right now in Canada. And on Amazon, everywhere else as well? Amazon right? is selling really well in the States. Uh, and uh, Barnes & Noble. I've been doing book signings with them in the States and uh, also on Kindle. All right. Well, continued success, David. Thanks again. Thanks. My pleasure. All right. We've got to take a quick break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.